This talk is about data safety and monitoring boards in clinical trials and would like to discuss what the place and role of data safety monitoring boards in clinical trials is. My name is Roma Chilengi. I work for the Kemri Wellcome Trust Research Program based in Kilifi, Kenya. I'm working there as head of clinical trials and have had some prior experience setting up and working with data safety monitoring boards. I think that this talk would be good for a wide range of uh, research players, including uh, clinical trialists, including uh, potential and actual members of data safety monitoring boards, and also uh, upcoming scientists and regulators of clinical research. So the learning objectives for the talk this time include the identification of the key players within the clinical trial setting, among which the data safety monitoring boards are one, um, to define what a DSMB is, uh, to identify the roles of the DSMB and to have um, situations when you need to have or not to have DSMBs, um, to discuss issues when constituting a DSMB, operational aspects of DSMB and also discuss a sample DSMB charter and considerations for underdeveloped settings uh, for clinical research. Uh, to start, I would like to discuss the relationships between key players in clinical trials. A clinical trial is a complex undertaking with multiple um, players involved taking on specific roles and responsibilities. Uh, some of these players have oversight responsibilities, others have protective responsibilities, and others have um, uh, oversight responsibilities. Um, in the figure that is presented in this slide, we have in blue regulatory authorities and local uh, Ministry of Health authorities as the overarching umbrella that, that would oversee clinical research. Um, in most cases, research institutions are mandated by these uh, government organs and they, uh, the, the investigators and researchers are based within those research institutions and they have to be approved and overseen by these regulatory authorities or specific arms of the Ministry of Health. Um, also in this category is another organ which is the Ethics Review Committee and the Ethics Review Committee is primarily charged with the responsibility of protecting the uh, safety and well-being of trial participants, and they do so by reviewing and approving research protocols and uh, following up to ensure that the investigators stick to approved research. In yellow, we have um, sponsor-related organs, and uh, the sponsor will typically interact with a clinical research team uh, through, the through the monitor, and the monitor gets uh, quite involved with the investigational team by checking through what they are, 
um, uh, what needs to be in place and also ensuring that the quality of what is going on is up to the required sponsor specifications and international regulations. The DSMB is another one in yellow, which is typically a sponsor set organ in the trial setting, and this is the focus of our discussion. Now, before we proceed with the DSMB, another aspect of um, another aspect of the clinical research uh, setup includes the, really the community and research community. Uh, organs that may be set up in a particular place. Um, it is not unusual these days to find that a well-researched community would have what are now called community advisory boards, and these really play, uh, play an interface role between the researchers and the community, uh, giving um, uh, the researchers ears and eyes into issues ar arising from the research community and within the re the research community where poten where potential participants come from you have various structures that that uh, concerned when it comes to looking at uh, clinical trials um, and it is also common that within those structures specific permissions have to be obtained before a trial can be um, can be implemented now, the DSMB, as shown in the figure, is a part of the sponsor uh, in, in most setups, and this is how the international regulations have described what an e a DSMB is. And uh, from the figure, you would see that the DSMB primarily reports or makes recommendations to the sponsor, advising the sponsor on issues that we are going to look at in a short while. And it is also not uncommon that um, specific ethic review, ethics review boards would also require to see the reports that the DSMB set up for a trial would be generating in offering uh, guidance to the sponsor, uh, especially concerning the safety and efficacy of um, a, a product involved in a clinical trial. The commonest definition that we would like to use for this lecture it comes from the ICH GCP guidelines in section 1.25, and it says that a DSMB is an independent data monitoring committee that is established by the sponsor to assess at intervals the progress of a clinical trial, the safety data, and as the clinical, ef clinical efficacy endpoints and to recommend to the sponsor whether to continue, modify, or stop a trial. In this lecture, the term DSMB is used interchangeably with other terms such as independent data monitoring committee, data safety committee, and other terms that may be used to describe organs such as this the purpose of a DSMB is to provide independent, independent advice to the sponsor on the development of the study and ongoing scientific and ethical validity of the study. 
the DSMB are constituted and function under the authority of the sponsor. It plays an advisory role and is a body responsible for assess assessment of data during the conduct of the study in a manner that contributes to the ongoing scientific and ethical integrity of the study. The DSMB also stands apart the ethics committee in the sense that the DSMB looks at emerging clinical trial results in view of the current knowledge and understanding of science as the trial progresses. When are DSMBs required? The question of whether to set up a DSMB for each and every clinical trial has been widely discussed and debated. And um, there are several publications that discuss these subject matters. In our effort, we have uh, brought together literature around this subject and published um, some general guidelines that discuss when DSMBs would be important to be set up for clinical trials. And these are general situations that involve um, uh, randomized controlled clinical trials of investigational new products, randomized controlled clinical trials with severe morbidity or mortality as endpoints, studies of a high-risk new intervention, complex design or data accrual studies, studies with uncertainty of continuation as the data emerges and accumulates, when products are used in new combinations, or indeed if the products are used with off-label indications of already marketed products, also in trials with vulnerable populations, emergency situation studies, studies with particular safety concerns, and such kind of trial designs would require setting up a data safety monitoring board. There are many trials, however, in which a DSMB may not be necessary. Some general examples would include when it is simply impractical to set up a DSMB in the case of very short trials, for example, which, in which it would not make any sense to set up a DSMB, make recommendations for implementation. When products involved are known to be safe, and especially when these studies are involving healthy volunteers, there may not be a need for a DSMB. In some open-label trials, indeed, there may not be need to set up a DSMB. And in situations when it is clear that a DSMB could add no value beyond good internal monitoring of the progress of the study, Again, there may not be need to set up a specific data safety monitoring board. However, with this said, if doubt exists whether to set up a DSMB or not, it is probably advisable that a DSMB be set up. 
when constituting a DSMB, the sponsor um, goes through several issues pertaining to the points that we just discussed. And the sponsor would then make up a decision whether a DSMB is required or not. And if it is required, based on the specific details of the protocol, the sponsor would then develop what is called a DSMB charter, which should be included um, or referred to by the study protocol. This DSMB charter may be developed with advice from various stakeholders, and particularly so from investigators or other parties involved in the study. The sponsor is responsible for the selection and appointment of DSMB members, as well as ensuring that the DSMB has the means and resources to function well according to the expectations of that specific study. A typical DSMB charter would address issues such as the scope of the DSMB, outline the responsibilities of the DSMB, how it would be organized, the membership and quorum requirements, the kind of data that the DSMB would receive and uh, deliberate on, as well as the statistical plan for the specific study, the intervals at which the DSMB would be expected to review such uh, data, the materials to be forwarded to the DSMB, the process and format of the meeting, procedures for maintaining the study integrity and confidentiality, and also the format and content of the DSMB reports. The charter would further advise, guide the DSMB members into the procedure for the distribution of its reports, procedures for record keeping and archiving, procedures for amending the DSMB charter, and the procedures for auditing and or inspection of the DSMB operations or documentation. The composition of a DSMB would vary depending on the complexity and the nature of study at hand. However, in general, a DSMB should be small enough to work effectively but large enough to include the expertise relevant to the issues to be monitored. Typically, it would include at least two to three medically qualified experts in the field under study. For example, if the study includes uh, children, you would expect a DSMB to have a qualified pediatrician, or if it includes uh, uh, specific pharmacological aspects of a product, you want to have a qualified person in that field uh, to be at least one of the members. A biostatistician is always a part of a DSMB. And other ad hoc members may be included in the DSMB depending on the required expertise and specific voting or contribution mechanism can be articulated within the DSMB charter. A DSMB is supposed to be independent 
in its principal operations. There are many discussions around the independence of a DSMB, but in general, the fact that the DSMB is set up by the sponsor should not in itself cause concerns over the independence of a DSMB. The appointees of a DSMB will typically declare lack of conflict of interest in the sponsor organization or the product that is to be evaluated within the clinical trial. Current debates generally touch upon advantages and disadvantages of the DSMB statistician being a part of the study or totally independent. This discussion has both advantages and disadvantages depending on what option is taken. If a trial statistician is involved in the DSMB, the question of independence of the DSMB is usually uh, uh, pro prominent in discussions of independence. Um, the trial statistician involvement in a DSMB, however, does have advantages in the sense that they would have intimate knowledge of the study and procedures, and that enhances the linkage between the DSMB and the specific trial team, and therefore implementation of specific recommendations by the DSMB may be easier. However, an independent statistician serving in a DSMB may have critical advantages, and these would include, among other factors, the fact that an independent statistician would obviously be more objective. Um, if uh, unblinding has to be done in the study, that would not cause any problems of creating biases within the conduct of the study. And this, an independent statistician can also fully participate in, the, in DSMB operations and also voting, whereas one who is uh, uh, study-specific may have limitations over some of these issues. One of the critical responsibilities of a DSMB is to review the imaging data and make recommendations to the sponsor and the big recommendation relates to whether a study should continue or should be terminated. In general, considerations that DSMBs would put, take into account when making such decisions would include the following. Firstly, that a study must not continue when sufficient evidence is already generated on clinically meaningful endpoints. Secondly, a study must not continue when there is clear evidence of harm in one of the study arms. Thirdly, a study must not continue when the design no longer guarantees that the important scientific questions may not be answered through further collection of study data. And fourthly, a randomized controlled trial must not continue when clear benefit is shown in one of the study arms, especially over safety and efficacy concerns for the 
trial participants. However, it is important to emphasize that studies should not be prematurely terminated. The DSMB, therefore, must have clear procedures to allow interpretation of statistically significant results and may have to allow the study to progress even in the, set, in the face of apparent harm. To conclude this lecture, I would like to say a few things concerning considerations for global health settings. It is clear that research is being done globally and increasingly so in, in, in disease endemic areas where there may not be sufficient skilled human resources and the health systems may be weak. In these particular settings, the increasing number and complexity of study designs are exerting a lot of pressure on the limited human resources that are available. As more studies are done in children with severe disease that require a formal DSMB, the available skilled human resources are stretched to support these studies that are coming up. It is therefore important to limit establishing DSMBs to trials that particularly need to have a DSMB. Particular skills have to frequently be sourced globally, especially statistical ones. And this is especially the case in the African situation where a lot of clinical trials are presently being done in children and other vulnerable populations. So wherever possible, we would recommend that upcoming scientists should be incorporated into DSMBs as trainee members so as to increase the pool of individuals who've had the prior experience and exposure to formal operations of the DSMB. In preparing this lecture, several literature articles have been reviewed and I have listed a number of them for uh, further uh, reference in case someone needs to read further on this subject. Thank you very much.